You're listening to the Retro Wrestling Review Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the Retro Wrestling Reviews Podcast. I'm your host, Gus Edwards. On today's show, we're going to be reviewing Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, Mid-South Wrestling, and for the first time, we'll also be looking at World Class Championship Wrestling. If you're new to the podcast, every Sunday we review shows from these three territories. These shows are all on the WWE Network and Peacock. On Tuesdays, we review a listener's requested show, this week's coming will be reviewing WWF Superstars from April 1992, so don't forget to check that out. Let's get on with today's show. Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, 2nd of January 1982. It's the usual opening with Bob Coddle and David Crockett at the desk, and this week they let us know that we will see Jay Youngblood, Jake Roberts, Ivan Koloff, Terry Taylor along with Sergeant Slaughter and Jim Nelson in tag team action. They then talk about giving the fans a chance to vote for what wrestler contributed the most in 1981. Up to the ring in the first match is a tag team match. It's Mike Miller and Chris Markoff against Jay Youngblood and Jake Roberts. This match actually goes a good while, but the, the crowd are into it. Every week that he's in the ring, you could see that Youngblood is getting more and more over with the girls in the crowd. There are no bad jobbers in the territory, unlike the guy that we saw in the AWA review the other week, and it really helps when these matches go nearly 10 minutes. Markov and Miller work over Jay for a while, and Jay takes a really great backdrop from Miller. Roberts gets a hot tag and he quickly gets a pin on Miller with a knee lift. This was actually a really, really good match. Back from the break, and Roddy Piper is with David and Bob. Piper is talking about the fan vote, and I'm going to play his promo for you now. All right, man, wait just a minute. Here, here is Roddy Piper, just, just as we were about to have action in the second, ring. Just a second, okay. I got something to say. Me being the mid-Atlantic heavyweight champion, me having defended time after time and still have it, I have the right to come up here and demand a little time. You're talking about all these people are supposed to be writing in and giving a trophy, which means money, which means all kind of publicity, to who contributed the most to wrestling in 1981. Now you're looking, they're saying, oh, how about Ricky Steamboat? How about Bob Slaughter? How about Ivan Koloff? How about, about Jake the Snake? How about Ric Flair? How about Ric Flair? How come Ric Flair won't give me a fight? I'll tell you something right now. In 1981, I was not only the TV champion. In 1981, I was not only the United States heavyweight champion. In 1981, I was not only the mid-Atlantic champion, but I was also the most feared wrestler for anyone to fight. You see, now what I'm talking to you is this. You're supposed to write in now and choose the one you think contributed the most to wrestling in 1981. And you say that I got no guts. Now I present something to you. How much guts do you have? Do you have enough guts to be able to swallow your pride and say, Roddy Piper, yes, you are right. 
There is nobody but nobody that held more titles in 1981. There is nobody but nobody that brought more fear, that won more matches in 1981. You have enough guts yourself to, when you write, to be right. You have the guts to say, yes, sirree, it is Roddy Piper. You see, I stand up here and you say, oh, yes, but you got such a big mouth. But obviously, I'm perfect in so many other ways. To the ring and it's the TV champion Ivan Koloff against Ron Sexton. Anytime the TV champion is on the TV, of course, the title is on the line, but only for the first 15 minutes of the match. Koloff has given Sexton more than he normally does, usually just dominates the jobbers and beats them in a minute. The matches are actually much longer today than usual, I don't know whether there was a lack of wrestlers at the show today or something. Koloff eventually gets a win with his knee to the back of the head from the top rope. We've got promo time for an upcoming house show. On tonight's house show, the Super Destroyer, who I believe is Scott Irwin, is taking on Jay Youngblood. If Youngblood wins, then Destroyer must, un- must unmask. If the Destroyer wins, however, then Youngblood must leave town. Also, there is a lumberjack match between Lord Alfred Hayes against Johnny Weaver. Hayes is interviewed about this match. I've never actually seen Hayes work before. I've only ever seen him as a manager here in the commentary in the WWF. Ivan Koloff is then interviewed about his TV title defence against Jimmy Valiant. We'll go back to the ring and it's Ray Stevens against Tony Russo. Russo's such an interesting shape. He's about five foot tall but he's also five foot wide. He actually looks like the Iron Sheik and Captain Lou Albano had a baby. Stevens gets a win with a pile driver here. Not much to this match. Jake Roberts is with Bob Coddle. He is asked about his top priority for 1982. He does a great promo here on Ole Anderson. And then Blackjack Mulligan Jr. comes out. He wants Sergeant Slaughter for the US title. Mulligan Jr.'s not a good promo at this point. I mean, I know for Barry Windham it was never a strong point of his um, character, but yeah, he was just not a good promo here. Ray Stevens then comes in and he's also wanting Ole Anderson. Up to the ring and it's Blackjack Mulligan Jr. against Bill White. White takes two great bumps for an arm drag, but then he messes up the third and he lands on his head and then smacks his neck off the ropes. Sergeant Slaughter comes out to join the commentators. He doesn't really add that much to the match. Mulligan Jr. gets the win with a bulldog. This was another match that probably went longer than what it needed to. We then go to another promo for tonight's house show. This time it's Johnny Weaver speaking about his match with Hayes. Weaver says the time for talking is over. Jail Youngblood is next talking about his match against Super Destroyer. Youngblood says if he loses, he'll cut his hair as well as leaving town. We go back to the ring. And it's the US champion Sergeant Slaughter and his protege, Private Jim Nelson, against Terry Taylor, who's been getting a bit of push here, and Mike Davis. This is another decent match. Taylor got a lot of shine early on. He's another one who's really getting over with the crowd at the moment. Slaughter and Nelson then get the heat on Davis, who gets a couple of small comebacks but never gets the tag. And eventually Slaughter gets the Cobra Clutch on him for the win. Ivan Koloff is in with Bob Coddle. He says the TV belt is going to stay around his waist. Gene and Ole Anderson come out. 
Jean's not looking well at all. It's actually really uncomfortable watching him. Ole talks about Ray Stevens. He says if he doesn't give him the belt back, he's going to take it back, and Stevens won't like the way that he does it. And that wraps up the show. This was a decent show. There was no angles, but the opening match with Youngblood and Roberts against Markov and Miller was an excellent match for it for a TV match. Next, it's time for the Mid South Wrestling Report. That's also from the second of January, nineteen eighty-two. This was a different show this week. It was a year in review show for 1981. I was concerned skipping it, but I thought it might be a good show to watch to catch us up on what's been happening in Mid-South before we started watching. Bill Watts introduces the show and lets us know this will be a recap show, but next week will be the Dream Match show, with a match chosen by the, the viewers. Watts takes us through the recent history of the tag team titles, and I'm go- I'll play that update for you now. And relive with you some of the tremendous action that happened during this past year. This last year has kind of been the year of the dog. I don't know if it's the Chinese year of the dog or not, but in Mid-South Wrestling, it was the year of the dog. Also, it was a, tri- a tribute to the perseverance of Ted DiBiase. Mid-South led the way in two big suspensions last year. You know, I've, I don't know of any other promotion that has suspended their top Drawing cards. Ernie Ladd was suspended May the 27th following investigative proof that the invader was Ernie Ladd and not Sonny King, the man that interfered in the finals match of the first $25,000 tag team tournament in the Superdome April 18th, where the Super D and the Grappler defeated Dog and Murdoch. Dog and Murdoch later rewon the title in New Orleans, and then Ernie Ladd astounded the wrestling world by getting a manager's license and guiding the new Samoan Warriors often seeking to a tag title victory over Dog and Murdoch June the 10th on television. Then Dog formed an unusual partnership with Mike George in September and they won the Mid-South tag titles October the 15th in Jackson. Let's see the edited final moments of that great match in Jackson, Mississippi now. We then go to clips of the match which is Junkyard Dog and Mike George against the Wild Samoans Afin Sika, who have Ernie Ladd at ringside. The referee gets bumped and Ladd goes to hit JYD with a steel chair, but Dog moves and Afa took the hit and JYD gets the pin. This was the same finish as the WWF match when Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas beat the Samoans for the tag team titles the following year. Watson talks about a rematch in which uh, JYD and Mike George retained the titles, but the Samoans were suspended afterwards for an attack in an official. And I believe that their suspension's actually up, so they should be back on the show soon. We then go to Junkyard Dog and Mike George against Paul Orndorff and Terry Orndorff. This came about after a match between these four, where the loser had to wear a yellow mask. We then go to the rematch, and Terry Orndorff is wearing a yellow mask after losing the previous match. Terry and JYD goes go head to head and Orndorff takes a bump. On the outside, Terry switches with Bob Orton, who was also under a yellow mask. We then go to JYD and George against Paul Orndorff and Bob Roop. The story here is that Terry Orndorff didn't show up, so Roop became Paul's partner. Bob Orton's in the yellow mask and he runs in and tries to pile drive JYD on the outside. Dog reverses and takes a mask off of Orton. Orton, Roop and Orndorff triple team dog and put the yellow mask on him before DiBiase comes out for the save. 
We now go to a recap of the feud between Dusty Rhodes and Gary Hart and Kabuki. We get promos from Hart and Rhodes. And Bill Watts lets us know that the match between them will be a bunkhouse match. But because the match is so violent, Mid-South won't sanction the match. So it will be an unsanctioned match. We then talk about Ted DiBiase's year. And Bill Watts talks about him coming back to the territory in August. And he pinned in the first match the North American champion Paul Orndorff in a non-title match. He then talks about DiBiase's team with Bob Root before Root turned on him. They go to the clips of matches where um, Rip turns on DiBiase against uh, Paul Orndorff. Watts lets us know that a few weeks later though, that DiBiase would go on to win the North American title from Paul Orndorff. We then go to a match between Ted DiBiase and Ed Waskowski with Bob Roop on the commentary. DiBiase gets a win counter in a body block. Continuing the Wiskowski part of the show, we then go to a match between him and Jimmy Garvin, which we actually reviewed here a couple of weeks ago. And then we go to Paul Orndorff and Ted DiBiase from a couple of weeks ago, which was a really good match. The story here, if you remember, was that Paul Orndorff has said that he is a counter for the figure four leg lock. Bill Watts ends the show with questions about 1982 and a rundown of next week's card. I'll play that here for you now. Ran out for Paul Orndorff, but hadn't time not expired. Either Ted would finally have had to capitulate to the pain because anyone, even a champion, can only stand so much, or there would have been possible damage to the knee ligaments and cartilage, or a possible fracture. Well, who does this make the most dangerous threat to DiBiase then? Paul Orndorff, the man who countered the figure four, or Bob Roop, the designer of the counter, the man who devised it? Only time will tell in 1982 should really be exciting. Can Junkyard Dog continue to maintain one half of the Mid-South Tag Titles with Mike George while at the same time defending the Louisiana Heavyweight title? Can Bob Orton hold the Mississippi title? What will happen with the return of Alfon Sika? What part will Ernie Ladd, Gary Hart, and the Akbar play in the 1982 scenario? Tune in next week for the dream matches you viewers at home have asked for. We'll have Andre, Dusty, Mr. Olympia, Kabuki, Alfon Sika, plus all the regular starts of Mid-South, and Boyd Pierce will be back from Hawaii to cover the action for you. Thank you again for having us into your home. This was an interesting show, focusing mainly on the two top baby faces, the Junkyard Dog and Ted DiBiase. Unfortunately, next week's show is missing on the WWE Network, but the show will be back in two weeks' time, where we'll see a match between Andre the Giant the Junkyard Dog and Dusty Rhodes against the Wild Samoans and Ernie Ladd. Before we go on with the next um, show review, I just want to thank everybody who's listening to these podcasts. Your support makes it much easier to record every week. For all the new listeners that we get on every show, we're building a decent archives of shows now, so remember to go back and check them all out. It's time now for World Class Championship Wrestling, and this also from the 2nd of January 1982. I've previously watched uh, World Class on on the network before, and I think I watched up until 1987 or so, but I think since I started watching it, they've added earlier ones, uh, because when I was watching it, it was Bill Mercer who was in charge of the show at that point, but he's not here. And it's actually um, a guy called Gene Goodson who's the main commentator. 
and he's got Jose Lothario as almost the guest commentator this week, and they run down the show. We have Tom Shaft against Carlos Zabata. They put over Shaft as someone who's won every Tough Man contest that he's entered. Then we'll see The Monk, who we saw a couple of weeks ago in Mid-South, who looked like a very small Eric Rowan. And he'll be taking on Big Daddy Bundy, who's probably more famously known as King Kong Bundy. The third match will be The Great Kabuki against Jesse Relapango Leon. I'll just call him Jesse Leon from now on, from Mexico. And in the main event, the US Tag Team Champions in a non-title match, Armand Hussein and Tim Brooks, they'll be taking on Kerry and Kevin Von Erich. We go up to the ring for Tom Boogaloo Shaft against Carlos Zapata. Zapata is another guy we saw working for Mid-South recently as a jobber. This is just horrific. Shaft hits one of the worst drop kicks I've ever seen. Even Eric Watts would laugh at it. The referee for the match is Bronco Lubich. If you've never seen Lubich referee a match, he only goes down on one knee whenever he's making a count. He's just so lazy and uncomfortable that way. Shaft is one of the worst wrestlers I've ever seen. And it's not even like he's a rookie. I believe he's been wrestling from like the late 60s at this point. Shaft wins with a butt bump, I guess, which isn't as impressive as Naomi's. Got to be honest with you, I watched night one of the G1 tournament before I watched this show. It's probably a bad idea. And for those of you who have not watched um, G1 yet, I would recommend um, checking out uh, Ishii versus Takagi. We go back to the ring for the Monk against Big Daddy Bundy. Bundy's a babyface here, never seen him work babyface before and he's actually got a full head of hair which is really strange to see. Bundy's got his usual singlet on but he's also wearing jeans with a bit of rope for a belt. Lothario compares Bundy's strength to Andre the Giant. Bundy wins by turning a bear hug in a splash slam. We then go to Gene Goodson who's with Tom Shaft. Not saying that Gene isn't the best announcer, but he has to look at his notes to remember Tom Shaft's name. Shaft is actually a really good promo, despite being the world's worst wrestler. I'm actually going to play your, the audio for that now, because he's got a ton of charisma. A number of wrestling matches, but I'm in the major leagues now. World-class championship wrestling. Isn't this something? It really is. And I've got with me right now a man from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, he says that he's the one that made Milwaukee famous, not that beer, whatever the name of it is. But here is the one and only Tom Boogaloo Shaft. Tom. That's a TV announcer. You said that just right. You know that Bill, everybody drank the Bill. I guess they got some loose in the head because it get kind of, you know, moochy-mochy. But let me tell you something, world class. You know what I mean, world class. That is high as you can go in San Antonio, San Antonio, Texas. We're going to have wrestling matches there. I don't know what the date, and I don't care what the date. But Tom Shaft going to be there. We're going to have some tough guys. We're going to have that crazy African, Armand Hussein and Killer Brooks. And we got one of the best managers in the world. That's the guy that got that crazy guy, Kabuki, right? Yeah, well, true. yeah, you know, Kabuki is rough and tough. Kabuki like to kick and knock down people. But let me tell you something. Tom Boogaloo Shaft won 48 tough man competitions. That's where the police, the judge, and anybody who want to fight in the city can fight. Everybody. There's no law on that. You know what I mean? And let me tell you something. Whenever I come over, to that place 
what they call San Antonio. It's going to be a whole lot of knockdown and drag out because there ain't nothing I like better than one fight. Kabuki and his manager and everybody else. And that's another fight, Mr. TV announcer. That's right. Here's the tough man champion. Recently won it in Detroit, Michigan. You got to tell us about that, Tom. Tell us about what that is. Well, a tough man competition is when a lot of people get together in a city and a purse for like $10,000 and anybody, any human being, any son, bone of a mother that want to fight in it, all they have to do is sign his name and get the doctor okay. Anybody, it don't matter who they are. And I have won 48. I just came off one from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I just went to Detroit and won one. When I'm in my off time in wrestling, that's what I'm doing, trying to stay tough. So Kabuki and Tabuki and his manager and everybody else, you better watch out because old Boogaloo Shav is here and I'll eat you alive baby. Tom Boogaloo Shaft, everybody. And now, let's pause for these words and right back for some. We come back from the break and Kevin and Kerry Von Eric are with Gene. Kevin puts over Texas as the best place for wrestling and Kerry says he's in shape and ready to fight. The Von Erics, especially Kerry, are just horrible promos. Go back to ringside and it's Kabuki against Jesse Leon. Kabuki we saw fleetingly in mid-Atlantic and then we just saw a recap of his feud with Dusty Rhodes on the earlier Big South, South Review. Kabuki hits one of the best super kicks I've ever seen. Of course it isn't the, the finish and Kabuki puts some nerve hold on which is basically him just grabbing Leon's ribs from behind. Leon is really good though. He's taking a great bump from the super kick and also from a chop. He's making Kabuki look great here. Kabuki hits a third super kick and he puts on the nerf hold for the third time. Goods in the first it is a horrible hold and I couldn't agree more. Kabuki gets a win with a chop from the second rope. Kabuki attacks after the bell and Kerry Von Erich runs in for the save. Leon was the star of the match by far. Hopefully we'll actually get to see more of him in the next few weeks. So main event time next. So non-title match between Tim Brooks and Armand Hussein, the US Tag Team Champions, against Kevin and Kerry Von Erich. Hussein does this weird dance before the match, which the announcers call a camel walk. And apparently it's a Muslim tradition that athletes do before a match. There's no way that's true. For some reason this match is two referees but it's never actually been explained why. This isn't the best match, there's no structure or story to it at all. The finish comes when Kevin hits a stun sunset flip off the top rope onto Brooks despite not being the legal man and it being in front of both referees. Goodson says that the matches tonight are the best professional wrestling matches you'll see anywhere. No they aren't Gene, trust me. Back from the break and Goodson and Lothario wrap up the show. They let us know that Lothario will be on the card along with the great Kabuki against Kerry Von Erich next week. Goodson calls this probably the highlight wrestling match in the world. This was a decent show. The best match was Kabuki against Jesse Leon and that was all due to Leon. I've never been a big fan of Kabuki. I mean, I could understand why he got over in this time period, but I always found him horrible in the ring. Leon made him look incredible, though. It was also good to see a young King Kong Bundy, and it'll be fun to see him develop. But this territory really needs the Freebirds to show up. The best show of the week was Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, mainly due to that tag team match with Roberts and Youngblood. My wrestler of the week, though, goes to Jesse Leon. 
Next Sunday, we are back down to two shows as there's a missing episode of Mid-South Wrestling. But we'll still be here for Mid-Atlantic and World Class Wrestling. Remember on Tuesday coming, we have WWF Superstars from April 1992 featuring Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, the British Bulldog, the Natural Disasters who are my second favourite tag team of all time and much, much more. If you've enjoyed the show, then please subscribe, leave a review and tell a friend. Take care of yourself and I'll talk to you again soon.